oftentimes I talk about how the importance of information. Sometimes, unfortunately, I think it's overlooked uh, as it relates to the power of information. Sometimes we get pieces of information. Sometimes we even get alternative information. Sometimes we don't realize that there are vehicles that can provide us with additional information. And th this topic this morning, in my opinion, really shows the power of information. And, 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 and sometimes we get information that more or less is applicable to everybody, e either from a personal angle or from an informational angle that we can impart to other individuals. Uh, this is a call to action. And I'm your host, Alex Habersham. And this morning, today, we're going to embrace a topic with a an expert on that topic that's very, very crucial and very meaningful. Now, let me quickly say why I'm embarking and barking about information. We're going to talk about breastfeeding and we're going to talk about milk and products that are used to feed babies. And I remember not too long ago, they talked about the shortage for several reasons of, 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 of information, uh, the, the product, uh, what was that? Was it Similac? What was the product? Uh, that, Similac. Uh, huh? Sim Similac. Okay. The shortage of Similac. Correct. And little did I know that Similac really is not the best product for our babies. I had no idea. Everybody panicking about the shortage of Similac. Well, guess what? You know, if mothers were worried about uh, feeding their babies, Similac, according to research, is not the best approach. So I've got with us this morning, Dr. Mitch Rodriguez, who's a, I don't want to call him a breastfeeding expert, but who, <laughs> who's very familiar with the phenomenon and the information surrounding breastfeeding. And let me tell you something, Doc. The facts that I learned just in the last couple of hours are startling as it relates to the advantages and the, the healthiness and the disparities, et cetera, about breastfeeding. So I really appreciate your coming on the show. And in closing my opening remark, I want to suggest to anybody who hears this conversation because of the importance of breastfeeding, and because of the role that breastfeeding can play in the healthiness of our children and their mothers, you know, that you take this information and you make sure that for everybody you know who are either pregnant, gonna get pregnant, got a baby or what have you, let's impart this information to them to help them. And as I said, uh, we have Dr. Mitch Rodriguez He's going to tell us a little bit about himself, including his title, and then go ahead and proceed to talk about uh, the dynamics of breastfeeding and all the relevant information as it relates to the advantages and disadvantages and the resources, et cetera. Dr. Rodriguez. 
Thank you, Alex. I appreciate the time that you're giving me. As Alex mentioned, my name is Mitch Rodriguez. I am a neonatologist, so I take care of premature babies and sick newborns. I'm also business development director for the Beverly Knight Olson Children's Hospital. So as Alex mentioned, my expertise in breastfeeding is more in breast milk and, and how I utilize that to take care of our premature babies in the intensive care nursery. Uh, just a little bit of a historical perspective to what Alex was talking about. We've become accustomed to using formula and we've, we believe that formula is the best source of nutrition for our babies. And, and the truth of the matter is that it really is not. And up to the, probably the 50s and 60s, I, I think that in, in the country, we've made a major disservice to mothers or, or around the world, especially mothers in the low socioeconomic status, because we started to identify or create this formula product that was a supplement to nutrition. And we tried to make that breastfeeding, breast milk was probably only relegated to those folks that really could not afford this new product formula. And as a result, the shift came about where folks started to decrease the amount of breastfeeding. Over time, the information that's come out has been quite the opposite. It shows us that breast milk is so, so important. And I'll go into some of those details over time. But the damage was done to a lot of our communities to think that because of the way that the formula product was, was basically marketed, that breast milk re was relegated to those populations that just couldn't afford it. And it's been hard to change that mindset. And as you mentioned, Alex, uh, breast milk, by far is the best nutrition. The AA, American Academy of Pediatrics just recently came out for their new guidelines in which they reiterated that breastfeeding should be the exclusive form of nutrition for the first six months of life. And in fact, they stated that after six months of life, as you enter other supplemental nutrition, that it is okay to continue with breast milk past one to two years of age. Uh, and one of the reasons they stated this is because they want employers, they want the public at large to recognize that breastfeeding is natural, breastfeeding is good, and breastfeeding is protective for babies in the population as a whole. Uh, and as we continue to go down this process, we, we continue to encourage mother to breastfeed, but we continue to see a significant disparity between the African-American population and their uh, embracing breastfeeding, breast milk, and the Caucasian population, Hispanic and Asian, which we could see that in those groups that there's over an 80% breastfeeding in the first month of life, and in the African-American population, that, that is about 67% in that respect. And, and those are things that over time, we've been able to make some changes that have decreased that discrepancy uh, by implementing what's called the 10-step policy, uh, which puts in place at the hospitals, hospitals having policies, making sure that skin-to-skin -skin contact in the, at, at birth, making sure that we support mothers before they become pregnant, while they're pregnant, to understand the benefits of breastfeeding, remove pacifiers, essentially try to avoid any supplemental nutrition other than breast milk. A number of things that we have done that really encourage that. And, and we're doing better, Alex, but not yet where we need to be. Oh, oh that, that is so outstanding. And what, what really drove the negativity or the perceived negativity as it relates to uh, uh, breastfeeding, other than the lack of knowledge as it relates to the advantages of breastfeeding. I think that that negativity is probably good marketing, good marketing campaigns that basically state that 
formula was the way to go. And unfortunately, that created that environment. I'll tell you that if you look at the benefits of breastfeeding, uh, they expand not only from the time the baby's born, but all the way throughout the child's life. And even, in, as you mentioned earlier, mother's health. Babies that are breastfed have a lower risk of a respiratory infection, have a lower risk of ear infection, have a lower risk of skin eczema, uh, infection. Wow. Uh, they tolerate feeds a lot better in that standpoint. If you continue on that process of breastfeeding and prolong it longer, they have lower incidence of sudden infant death syndrome. Uh, they also have higher IQs. Uh, as they get older, uh, there's a lower risk of diabetes in the adult onset, lower risk of hypertension in adults. Uh, all these afflictions, which are potentially problems in all population, but tend to afflict the African-American population even further. And uh, in mother's case, if they are breastfeeding, uh, there's a decreased risk of ovarian and breast cancer that's in, imparted on them also by the fact of breastfeeding. So, a, and then those are just a few of the benefits. I mean, the, the benefits are enormous in that respect. So, what I what, what I'm hearing you say is that breastfeeding is uh, scientifically beneficial not only to uh, the baby as it relates to health and well-being, but also to the mother, you know, I mean, so if you would, I know you just said it, so just let's just kind of separate them and, and just repeat that as it relates to what makes it better for the mother and what makes it better for the baby. Yeah, once again, I mean, the use of breastfeeding reduces the baby's risk of ear infection respiratory infections, skin infections, feeding tolerance, reduces the risk of sudden infant death syndrome, reduces the risk of essentially having other complications such as asthma, uh, increases the, the potential for the child IQ to be beneficial. Those are some of the benefits for the baby on the mother's side. And let me go back to the baby because that baby, as it continues to grow, will become an adult. And if that baby was breastfed, there's a lot of data that suggests that that baby that was breastfed has a lower risk of having acquiring diabetes and hypertension among a couple of the chronic diseases that afflicts us as we get older. On the mother's side, the use of breastfeeding potentially decreases her risk of cancer and ovarian cancer to name a couple of aspects. And, and just to kind of, just one big aspect of what people talk about breastfeeding, breast milk is free when, as opposed to formula. I mean, the, the dollar amount, I can't remember right off the top of my head the cost of breastfeeding, but it, it's, a, it's over $1,800 a year of providing breast milk to a child versus breast of, uh, of formula versus for, breast milk, which is free. In that respect, so there's a financial benefit to all of us in that respect. Also, not to mention the fact that, from a health standpoint, it's incredibly impressive. Uh, and, and if I can go back, as I mentioned, I'm a neonatologist, so I take care of premature babies. So babies that are born less than what's called 1,500 grams, less than 3.3 pounds, these babies are at significant risk for a, a, a inflammatory disease of the gut, uh, uh, their bowels. It's called necrotizing enterocolitis. We call it NEC. And we don't know really what causes it, but we do know that using breast milk reduces the risk of acquiring this. So about 6% of babies in that population are going to be at risk for developing necrotizing enterocolitis. If we use breast milk, we reduce that risk by 30%. And in those babies that develop NEC 
40% of them are to require surgery and 50% of those babies will die. That's one of the reasons why at the Beverly Knight Olson Children's Hospital in 2015, we started to use donor breast milk as a supplement. In other words, knowing that sometimes mothers could not produce breast milk and more importantly, trying to avoid the use of formula. <clears throat> For all babies that were born less than 3.3 pounds, we offered donor breast milk. As of this year, we, the numbers were so dramatic on how we reduced the incidence of necrotizing colitis in our patient population that it's become part of I mean, it. Now, if you're not going to use donor breast milk or breast milk, then you have to sign a consent to be able to use formula because we feel that it's so damaging in that nature. In that respect, it's basically saved a countless number of babies in our neonatal intensive care unit from having to go to surgery and, and potentially dying as a result of this. So we are now an exclusive breast milk uh, nursery for all babies less than 3.3 pounds for the first few weeks of their life. Uh, and, and by the way, this was something that the hospital did at their own cost because uh, this was not reimbursed by Medicaid. And we just basically took on the cost because we knew the benefit that it provided for our patients. Uh, fortunately, this year, the Department of Community Health has decided to start reimbursing for the use of donor breast milk. And I think that's been a great decision on their part because essentially the numbers are just off the chart and how it impacts and saves lives. That's very important. Let's talk about the product, Doc. Sure. You know, because it's just that. It's, breast milk is a product. Let's talk about access to the product. Let's talk about uh, how to get the product, how to produce the product, you know, how to store the product. Because the bottom line, I think I'm hearing you say, is that one way or the other, uh, a newborn should be fed, you know, breast milk because of the positive contributory factors to, to, to their health. So. Uh, talk about, you know, what the mother should do as it relates to breast milk, whether she has to, you know, just feed her baby, can the product be stored, uh, talk about how somebody who is interested in making a positive contribution to the health of the community could maybe, you know, yield breast milk, if that's at all possible. Yeah. And, and let's talk about the product, because I think that's important. And then we also want to, when you finish that, I want to just walk through, you know, psychologically and physically and otherwise, you know, the mindset of a mother, you know, a pregnant mother, you know, who, what she should be thinking about as it relates to breastfeeding her baby. I hope I didn't cloud the issue by asking too many questions. Not at all. I'll tell you a couple of things. Number one, I mean, you asked about, the product itself and how to, to manage and store it in that respect. I'll tell you that one of the benefits of breast milk is that it's there and it's always available. So for most circumstances, it's actually a lot more convenient than formula. If you look at it from that perspective, you don't have to go out to the store to buy it. You don't have to rewarm it. You don't have to store it. You don't have to do anything from that standpoint. So if you're at home and you're breastfeeding your baby as your baby needs it, and that's what we encourage is by demand, feed your baby by demand when the baby needs it. But there is a point in time where mothers will go back to work, to school and things of that nature. And it becomes important for them to be able to continue providing for their child breastfeeding. In those circumstances, a couple of things that we wanna encourage and insurance companies are working towards that. And, and I hope that also employers work through that process too. 
as a result of the fact that we want to make sure that we have an opportunity for these mothers to be able to breastfeed or, or, or pump where they're at work in an opportune time where we have an opportunity for these mothers to have a pump. <clears throat> and then that milk could be stored in the refrigerator. Going to your question as far as donating, when mothers have excess milk and then no longer need it, we are Milk Depot where mothers could donate milk to our, our system. And we send it to one of our facilities, Keens and Daughters up in Virginia, who processes this milk for donor, use it as a donor product. We started this in February this, this, this year. We've been extremely successful with the community donating excess milk, and it's been fantastic. Uh, we're hoping that we're going to be starting, uh, we're not hoping, we will be starting our breastfeeding classes back after COVID. Uh, they'll be virtual. Uh, we will provide you with a number, but families can call uh, code 478-633-2771 if they have any questions on lactation, and they can provide them with that information that's needed for, to go down that process. But the biggest thing I want to make sure that people understand is that breastfeeding is not something that just happens. You have to start thinking about that while you're pregnant, doing the right things so you help, make sure that your diet is appropriate. You do need to avoid certain circumstances, make sure the medications that you're taking are effective and safe for breastfeeding. Uh, clearly, you have to avoid alcohol. You should avoid drugs. You need to avoid tobacco. You should avoid tobacco under any circumstances in that respect. Make sure that the product that you're producing for your baby is going to be a product that your baby is going to tolerate and your baby is going to basically benefit from it in that manner. It's kind of amazing when you talk about the benefits of a, of a breastfed baby. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. And I think that information should be imparted and the entire community should be very, very knowledgeable of that benefit. Now, you talk about excess milk. I mean, so talk a little bit about when a mother uh, will no longer need milk and then can make, can contribute milk for processing sure. for, uh, for babies. So, so what can occur is one of two things, or actually a third thing, unfortunately. One is that mother produces so much milk that her baby just can't keep up with the, uh, the amount that she produces. So it's excess milk. Others are when babies, mothers are able to continue breastfeeding and, and their babies are no longer latching or going to the breast. And so they have all this extra milk that they've produced. And unfortunately, certain, certain circumstances in cases in which babies, there's a, a baby, a demise of a child. Uh, mothers can are able to continue producing breast milk, and, and that does help them get through that process and, and in, in, in that respect also. So in any of these circumstances, uh, those mothers are able to store that milk, freeze that milk, contact us, and, and that milk then is basically brought to us under certain circumstances. These mothers clearly have to go through a health screen to make sure that there's no reason why we would not be able to use that breast milk. Once that health screen is completed, then we coordinate with them for them to deliver the milk to us. We then package that milk and send it up for, to Virginia Keens and Daughter, where they will process their pasteurized milk and then make it available for hospitals across the nation that may need this milk uh, in, in that respect. It, it's, it's a matter of supply chain, making sure that we prefer, I wanna make one thing clear. We prefer to use mother's express milk for all purposes. 
but we do understand there are circumstances in which mother cannot breastfeed, uh, be it for health reasons or others. And in those circumstances, we want to basically be able to provide that child that opportunity to have some form of supplementation that is not formula and is as close as possible to her that child's own mother's breast milk. Yeah. Okay. So let me let me let's talk about a working mother. Sure. You know, because sometimes, uh, you know, because a lot of this information is not known. And of course, in most instances, she can't take the baby to work with her and feed the baby like that. So what would you suggest as a process for a working mother? And talk a little bit about the function and the availability of a, of a pump, whatever that means. Yeah, so the, the breast pump, I'll start with that first. I mean, the breast milk, the breast pump will be provided by the health, health insurance, will be provided by WIC, uh, will be provided by the hospital. So mothers get access to the breast pump and the breast pump basically allows them when they go back to work or in the case of when the baby's in the intensive care nursery, they can't be here. What we request and ask mothers to do is to basically feel like this is no different than if their baby was latching on and have a schedule at which point they, they pump their breast milk every two to three hours. And that sometimes can be difficult when you go back to work. So that's why laws have been put in place to protect that mother and give her the opportunity in a closed environment where she could continue to pump that milk and then store it and then bring it to the hospital. It's important for mothers to realize that when they are back at work and they are pumping, uh, that it, they need to pump every two to three hours. It's just not pump in the morning and pump in the afternoon because unfortunately if that occurs, you, you run the risk of, of, so to speak, drying up and, and not being able to produce milk. So we wanna to continue to stimulate the process so we continue to produce more milk in that respect. And, and as, as that goes, th those are the things that we fight with on a regular basis, making sure that mothers uh, not only have the availability and the ability to do those, but the, the implicit bias that occurs as a result of individuals that don't understand the benefit from that, don't basically provide any obstacles whatsoever for mothers to be able to, to pump at, at their place of employment, at, at work, wherever they may be. It's a natural process, and we have to get over that. Oh, that is so very outstanding. So I guess what happens biologically is if the mother doesn't utilize the, the milk, then, I mean, at some point, She's no, it, her body no longer generates, you know, the breast milk. That, that is absolutely correct. So the process, it, it, it's incredible. As you, as you pump, your, your breast is emptied. As your breast is emptied, that sends signals to your brain to produce more breast milk. And that's how the, 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 the breast milk continues to reproduce regularly. When, when you're not receiving those signals because your, your breast is not being emptied, then that slows the production and ultimately leads to decrease and in, in, in discontinuation of breast milk production. Wow, absolutely phenomenal and informative. Uh, this is a call to action. I'm your host, Alex Habersham, interviewing uh, Dr. Mitch Rodriguez, uh, a neo, neonatal uh, physician. Uh, I'm probably getting the title wrong, but- You got it. Yeah, good, good. So uh, uh, this is very, very important to the community. I want to encourage everybody, you know, to kind of impart this information whenever and wherever possible. You know, it's uh, really concerning that proportionately uh, the lack of this process 
affects the African-American community, more so than other ethnicities. And we want to address that and approach trying to make it better as it relates to that. Uh, Doc, go ahead and make your closing statement. Oh, what's the process before you do that? Uh, one, learning more information about, you know, breastfeeding, those statistics and the advantages and the classes at that specific website a phone number that one can call to garner more information? So sure, the, the phone number once again is 478-633-2771. And then you could visit the Beverly Knight Olson Children's Hospital website where the link will be provided for you to go and get information on our breastfeeding classes, just as well as you could visit our, our maternity website where those links will be also provided uh, for parents that are interested in, in basically breastfeeding classes. So we get that information, help you go through that process and, and help you be successful in this process of, uh, of this endeavor of breastfeeding, which I think is extremely important. So I don't guess it's too early uh, during uh, the time of pregnancy to go ahead and, well, I guess so, because there are certain things that if, if one is going to breastfeed, then she would need to know about the diet and the health and the processes and things of that nature. So I guess at the onset of pregnancy, uh, realizing that one is pregnant would not be too early to engage in that process. And let me say this quickly though. Once it comes to your mind, the health and wellness benefits of breastfeeding, not only to the baby, you're talking about a double whammy, yeah. you know, beneficial to the baby and uh, beneficial to you. So. It is very important. Doc, you can take us out with a closing statement. I think you made a great point that you have to identify when you start, when you're pregnant. And I would even go one step further. When you're thinking about becoming pregnant, that you want to make sure that you address all your health issues so that you can have a healthy pregnancy, be encouraged to breastfeed, do the right thing, take the right actions that are necessary to make sure that your pregnancy is a healthy one. And then when your baby's born, that you're basically providing your child with the best opportunity, not only to survive, but also be successful in nature with reducing some of those morbidities, not to mention the fact of what you described. It takes care of you also because essentially reduces some of the morbidities for you as a mother too. In that respect, it's a great opportunity. I appreciate the time that you dedicated to this topic today. It's a very, very important topic that I think people need to be aware of and need to wrap around as a community to make sure that this is something that everyone makes it as a priority number one for the population. I'm your host, Alex Haversham, for a call to action, having interviewed uh, Dr. Mitch Rodriguez, uh, neonatal physician who has informed us tremendously and effectively on the need and the importance of breastfeeding. Thank you, Doc. Great job. Thank you. Have a great day. www.makingblackpages.com This is Alex Habersham, publisher of the Macon Middle Georgia Black Pages. I'm happy to inform the community, particularly business owners, 
that we are working on our new edition of the Maker Middle Georgia Black Pages and Resource Guide. Coming soon. So call today. You need to be a part of this. Your resource guide to identify Black-owned businesses throughout Central Georgia. We even get your free listing and all your ad in the upcoming edition. We try to make it very easy through our book, electronic and digital formats, and social media. Reserve your ad space today. Call 478-464-0074. Visit our website at makingblackpages.com. You cannot afford not to advertise. Download the app. The new Making Middle Georgia Black Pages and Resource Guide is on the way. Coming soon.